Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. Uh, This is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a really long time. This week, I'm really excited to... Oh, I'm getting emotional already. This is going to be trouble. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Anyway, I'm so excited to welcome Jam Gamble to the show. Jam Gamble is a charismatic communicator and a connector of people, ideas, and energy. And honestly, that sentence was the very first thing that drew me to you all those years ago. Um, Jam Gamble, affectionately known as Jam, is the ultimate slayer of the mic, dedicated to empowering others to own, honor, and amplify their unique expression. Jamila is the founder and CEO of the Slay the Mic program, a transformative coach initiative that inspires future slayers of the mic to unapologetically tap into their ultimate superpower, their voice. Yeah, I love everything about your bio. And like I said, it is what drew me to you all those years ago. It actually came up in my memories not too, too long ago. I think it was 28, 2018. And I know. My husband was just asking, he's like, oh, who are you podcasting with? And I was like, it was 2018, because this is this is the check from that speaking engagement. Yeah, I I, I, I have it as a keepsake because there's a story behind this. So like, yeah. It was March, wait, January, February, March, April. April, 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 April 4th, this check was issued. Yeah, 2018. 2018. And yeah, so I was, were you still teaching? You were still teaching part time mm-hmm. at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing so many things as I always do in life. I, I'm never just doing one thing, but yeah, that's what I was doing when we connected. Yeah. So we were both educators at the time. I was organizing a, a conference for my board and we were looking for a speaker with a fresh voice because we generally always had like the same people and I wanted something different. And I just was actually poking through your website as I do before I start the episodes. Yeah. And I scrolled down to the bottom of your jamimonials <laughs> and there were... <laughs> There were voices from that conference and it just filled me with this sense of warmth because it reminded me of a time when I loved my work. Mm. And on this show, I talk a lot about the challenges and, you know, sort of why I needed to set myself free. But I I think it's also important to acknowledge that there was a time, and I'm sure we'll get into this with your story as well, where I absolutely loved my work. there would be days where I'd be in tears driving to school because I was so happy about what I was doing that day. Oh, you really loved it. I did. There were, yeah, <laughs> were moments. There were years where it was like the very best thing and then things changed. But anyway, 
So that is how you and I first connected. And I still remember you coming in through the door and you just gave me this big hug. And I was like, this is going to be the most amazing day. And it was. And I love the topic too. It was, uh, I think you said you were looking for a, uh, a speaker who is like a 21st century learner. And I had to Google like what a 21st century learner is. And I was like, am I, I am I that? And then when I looked, I am like, like, I didn't realize all the different things I was doing and how it connected back to 21st century learning. And then it made me come up with a completely different speaking topic that I had never presented before. It was the frizzle effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, it was all cool. All of it was cool. Yeah. How did you get the tea? Oh my God. There was, when we walked into the room, a teacher came up to me and it was a black teacher and she hugged me and she held on to me. And she's like, I'm so glad you're here because we haven't seen speakers like you. And so when we talk about the power of connection and representation, that is a moment I will never forget. Like how she, she held onto me, like, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And, and abs she is absolutely right. Like we had never had anything, but mostly white men speakers, yeah. which ex was exactly why when I saw your profile, it's like, mm. this is exactly the person that we need today. Right. And it was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. And I'm glad that we've kept this sort of yes. kept this connection, you know, it is a periphery, but I'm yep. still so glad. And it has been so exciting for me to watch you ah. and to watch what you've been doing. So that takes us to a great spot oh. to say. So tell I'm us your story. Yeah, my story, my gosh. Um, I'm on chapter 36 of my story. So, and this is something I've always told my students in the past is like, you know, your life is a story and right now you are 12 and you are on chapter 12 of your story. There's still more adventures to go on. There's still more, more plot twists and character development. And I, I turned 36 like two weeks ago. So I'm on chapter 36. Um, but my story started as the kid who uh, came to Canada when I was two. And I'm pretty sure I was talking from like inside my mom's womb. Like that's how long I've been talking. And I was the kid who got into a lot of trouble um, for, for, for speaking. And I don't remember being a bad kid. I just remembered being a really energetic, chatty, Kathy kind of kid. And my teachers weren't cool with it. And therefore my mom wasn't cool with it. And uh, I really didn't know when was the right time to use my voice, but I, I used it anyways. And it's something I continue to use and con continue to build on. And when I really stop and think about my journey, my journey is wild. Just because like I could not have um, anticipated anything that I would be doing today. This was never, everything I'm doing right now is never. Like if we were to go back to like baby jam in grade five, what are you going to be when you grow up? It, this was not it. None of this was this. In fact, I changed my mind every year in high school what I wanted to be. I went from being a, a midwife to interior decorator to a culinary chef to a CSI agent because CSI came out and then entrepreneurship because of The Apprentice. So everything I'm doing now, I could not have anticipated that this is who I would become. Um, so I think my story is it's still going. And it's a story that is perfect for somebody who has ADHD because it's like, and then this, oh, but then I did that. And then, then this, and it's just like, it's wild, but it's my story. And it's one that I'm proud of. Yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. And I think it would be, as you were talking, I was thinking back to, so same, like we have a lot of similarities in mm -hmm. our story. Uh, despite having really different lived experiences, but same in kindergarten, I was bubbly and I talked all the time and my teacher moved me to a table with boys because she thought that would make me be quiet which it did not put us <laughs> no no until she put me in she put me in a desk by myself facing away from the class facing the wall mm. so I literally could not speak to anybody and that shut me down for a really really long time like uh, until I was uh, until it, I was almost finished high school wow. yeah. and I would be interested to see how many women who are in these roles of leadership now were, were those girls who yeah. were facing the wall in the corner by themselves when they were little. I'm pretty sure I was put in a corner. I can't recall, but I know that every report card 
talked about if I talked less and listened more, you know, I'd be a much more academic student. Um, and I don't even know if that was supposed to be a part of my plan, if I was supposed to be your typical academic student. But it was clear from a young age that I possessed this natural ability to talk. Shout out to the teacher who put me in the announcement club, because that gave me a, a platform and a space to really use my voice in a way that made me feel excited and proud to use it. And then fast forward many years later, where I'm now in the board, and I was at a conference and a teacher came up to me. I recognized her voice, but I didn't recognize her because she dyed her hair black. And I remember her being slightly like a, like a redhead. And she's like, are you Jamila? And I was like, yes. And she's like, I taught you. And I was like, okay. And I'm listening to her voice. And I'm like, oh, Miss, Miss, Miss Harper. And she's like, I think that was her name, Miss Harper. I might be saying it wrong, but I'm pretty sure. And she, um, she shared the story about how much I talked as a kid and how worried my mom was. And she's like, I was a single mom. Your mom was a single mom. And she's like, but I was never worried about you. She's like, you know, you have those kids in class. They talk a lot. They're not focused and you worry about them. She's like, I was never worried about you because I knew you would bring it all together. And I've, and she's watched my journey because I didn't realize she was following me online. Seeing, you know, she knew what I was like in grade 10 in her home studies class. And then seeing me now, and I remember I cried so much because I, I needed I needed to hear a teacher actually say, like, you did good because they made me all feel like this voice of mine was problematic. And now I'm like, well, look at me now. (laughs) (laughs) Say something. (laughs) What do you think it was in you that made you stay true to yourself? Because I did the opposite. I abandoned myself and I shut down and I didn't speak in class again for a really long time. And in grade six, this is one experience I still remember to this day because I, you know, we had to do speeches. I mean, yes, yes. I I didn't make it. I didn't make it. You didn't make it. I made the cut. I was like, all right. Okay. Well, I mean, we could have a whole other conversation about assessment, but that's a conversation for another day. Follow up to come. Yeah. Yeah. But I wrote my speech around how I was so shy because that's what happened. I just totally turtled and I wrote my speech about how I was so shy and how this was such a painful experience for me. And through that speech, I ended up having to go in front of the gym, which I was a hot mess and it was a nightmare because I had totally abandoned the truth of who I was. And so that was why it felt so painful. But what was it in you that allowed you to say, stay so true to yourself? Uh, The universe and God had a plan. This was not my doing. I don't, I don't think I had the um, insight or the foresight when I was that age to be like, there's a reason for this. (laughs) There wasn't. I, I was just, I was just a kid who talked, <laughs> like talk, 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 talk. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, I was a kid. I was I, a hyper one. So I, I didn't think about, like, we didn't talk about student voice back then. Now it's all the range, right? Ooh, student voice, student voice. But when I had my student voice, nobody cared about it. Yeah. Now we do. Okay. That's another podcast episode called Revenge of the Student Voice, because like, pissed that you know I had mad potential and I didn't get a chance I didn't get a fair chance but this was clearly um decided you know I am a believer of of a higher being Mm -hmm. part of God's plan this was not a part of my plan and God just kept making me talk and talk and talk and talk because he knew it would pay off one day I did not know how it would pay off but it did Yeah. yeah and being able to stay so connected to what you knew to be your path is something that's really challenging, particularly for women in our culture, because there's so many um, stories that we are told Yes, that good girls, I'm using air quotes for those of you who aren't aren't seeing this, good girls are quiet, Mm -hmm. right? Good girls are supporters. Good girls don't draw attention to themselves. I did all of I was a bad girl then because I was like, hello, everyone. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was, I, was the, I was the opposite of that. But I think there was probably a time. I'm sure I changed. But maybe it's just too painful for me to remember. But I do remember small moments of being ridiculed 
Um, I think I have more vivid memories, not of school, but um, my first serious job. And even in my coaching program, I talk about um, how our first job, how it impacts our our voice, right? Because our first job is like our first relationship. You know, we have to talk about ourselves and convince this person and then dress for the role and go through all the different emotions. And my first job, um, you know, it, it shaped me in so many ways, but it also caused me so much trauma, so much trauma with my voice because I was, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. I was charismatic. And um, we talk a lot about how men, you know, what men do to to women and women's voices. But unfortunately, uh, I experienced the majority of my pain from women. And so being young and being um, just, I don't know, excited to share and to teach and to inspire and all those things and to be met with resistance because I worked with women who were threatened by my magic. That caused me sincere, deep pain. And so that's probably the only time I could think about, you know, using my voice and how I could remember and recall what it did to me. School. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I just got used to being labeled as that kid who talked a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you talk about your first job, I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about it in that way, but that's where I was able to reclaim my voice because mm-hmm. I worked at a camp. I, and worked at, I worked at a camp. I worked at a camp. I'm glad yeah. you got yours back. And it was because I had a really powerful leader who who supported me. Oh, like, I had the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, speaks to the power of leadership. Yes. And I'm hearing that in your story in a couple of different ways, right? So in the, in the you know, in our first camp experiences, I was lucky, I was lucky enough to have a woman who supported me, who showed me the way and who, who lifted me up. Oh man, that was, that sounds really nice. It it was, <laughs> but it also lifters could just see me shaking my head. Going, wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the West Side Story, you know, like you have one version, I had another. <laughs> and in some ways, I w- it also set me up for the privilege that I hold as a white woman. Because when I went into spaces where people didn't listen, I had I was coming at it from a place of, but no, but when I speak, people listen. Like when I say things, action happens. Right. So then when I was met with resistance from, and in this case, it was actually both men and women who were like, no, no, we are beholden to the system and we're not going to make changes to this. I was, I was shocked. And it took me a long time to start pulling back the layers of like, Lisa, that is your privilege showing through right here in this moment. Wow. Yeah, no, I have no clue what that is like. Yeah, Um, it was, it was the polar opposite um but i could see i could i could see how that would you know have that i don't know what's the word i'm looking for you 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 would reach that moment where you're like but wait i'm so used to this so i think you know those types of experiences kind of built our vocal journey and maybe that's why you know, being faced with so much resistance and and knowing what it's like to be silenced or to be um, shut out of the conversation or to be met with with criticism time and time again, maybe that's where I got the inspiration from to start Slay the Mic program to help people reclaim their voice because I know what it's like to to have people in your life who take it away from you, who actively, who who are on a mission. I'm on a mission to help people find their voice. Unfortunately, the people who were part of my early years were on a mission to rob me of my voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like to that, you know, I can't necessarily carry um, ill feelings for them. It, it came full circle when I got invited to speak to a conference, speak at a conference where I attended as a camp counselor. And I remember walking up to the building and seeing my former bosses and supervisors there. And I'm talking to my mom on the phone. I'm like, you're never going to believe who's at the conference right now. And she's like, who? And I told her who. And she's like, no way. Because she knows the hell that those people put me through. 
And it was mind-blowing when they introduced me to the staff and they're like, yeah, 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 I hired her, you know, she was part of the team. And and they're acting as if like they got, they they played a role in this development. And I'm like, it's the audacity for me. Tell them about the trauma. Tell them about that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Look at me now. Look at me now. There is a certain like specific pain around that though, right? When yes. someone tries to claim your voice as their own, when give they themselves credit. give themselves credit, like, you know, yes. she's here because I hired her first and I did this. And it's like, so you want to forget all the other stuff you did between. And ironically, a few years after that, or not even a few years after that, I think it was a year or two before one of the people I worked with send me a, an apology message on Facebook to be like, you know, I, I should have done better, but I was scared. I'm like, yeah, they were scared of being harmed themselves. So I was like the sacrificial lamb kind of thing. But all of that is a part of, you know, to back to your original question of, you know, what's your story? That's just, you know, a part of chapter 18 when, you know, Jam went on an adventure to discover her voice in a professional setting and was faced with all kinds of giants, but managed to defeat them at some point. So here I am. Yeah. And being able to do that with such strength and and fortitude at that age, like it took me until I was 45 to do the, to do the same thing. But it's the same for me too. But the difference is, you know, when you, when you talked about your privilege, which is the first time I've actually heard somebody like speak of their privilege in that way, like being used to using their voice and being heard, Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing this. I still have to do this as a woman and a woman of color. Yeah. I still have to. The difference is back then, I could not speak up because I didn't have power or I didn't have um, the experience or the confidence, whatever it was, to kind of assert myself and let people know what's up. I still have to fight this fight all the damn time, if not on a weekly basis. Um, And it comes up in a multitude of ways. The difference now is I will be damned if anybody tries to make me feel less than or tries to tell me what I have to say or how I have to sound or, you know, makes me feel um, small compared to them. I will be damned. So the battle continues. I just have the tools, the, the tools within to shut those types of conversations and situations down real quick. But also, you know, there's systemic problems that happen and there's some things that it's not meant for me to fight on my own. So that's when, you know, those around me could hopefully step up and help me fight that fight. But it hasn't stopped and it, and it won't, unfortunately. No, I wish I wish I could say that it would. But you're right. I mean, we have what you and I are both people who have experienced how the system rejects yes. anyone who yes. is trying to use their voice to shine light on, look, this is where change needs to happen, mm-hmm. right? And the systems in our society are, you know, people keep saying the system is broken. It's not. The systems are doing exactly what they were designed to do, yeah. which is to gatekeep and yes. to make space for people who are already privileged to continue to rise and to yeah. make it harder for everybody else. It's protected. It's not broken. It's protected. It's protected. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so how do you have a network around you that supports you? Because it's really, it's really, it can be soul crushing work mm-hmm. and it is sometimes anyway. But do you have a a support system around you that holds you up when you need it? Oh yeah. Um, even back then, my I can remember so many nights when my mom would like take the Bible out and and would recite, you know, certain scriptures, Psalm thirty five, to mm. to ground me because she knew um, what I was dealing with. She knew every day I had to go into battle. So she just wanted to make sure I was spiritually protected. And to this, you know, to this day, she still will do that if need be. Um, but yeah, I have my husband and I have certain friends who, um, you know, I could talk to who knows like me inside and out all the angles of what it is to be jam gamble. It would be my operations manager. And there are times where, um, imposter syndrome will get in the way or um, I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted of convincing people why a Black woman is worth every freaking dime I ask for. 
Um, I'm exhausted of trying, again, to convince people why you should have diverse voices at your event. Why? Like, why am I still raising this flag in the year of 2023? And when I feel like I can't or I don't have the ability, um, my operations manager, Ashley, will check me. She will check me and remind me and, you know, pump a little air in my in my tires. And then I'm up and I'm off again for another lap. So thankfully, if I didn't, I don't, I don't know how I would get by some days if I didn't have uh, the people I have. Yeah. And that speaks to the power of community, which is another huge element of the work that you are doing. Yes. Right. Is building a community of people where it is safe to come and use your voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My community. um, Yeah. If I could do like a big give back to like all the people, not just in the Slay the Mic program, but the people who follow me um, online, for example, I don't even know how I would repay them. And I think they would say, you don't owe us anything because you already give so much of yourself. Um, But complete strangers, the internet is a scary, ugly place. And I've had complete strangers who have poured into me who have sent me messages and I'm like, okay, you know, like that's, that's not something that everybody gets. So when I, when I, when I see that, um, it's a, it's a a gift and a privilege that I don't take for granted the power of community. Yeah. Please stay tuned for more transforming 45 after this short break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously. And six, one, since that matters. And What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm really glad you brought that up, because I think... So often, conversations about social media are not as nuanced as they need to be. Right? There is sort of like most things in life, there's the binary of like, it's this way or it's that way. Mm-hmm. And there is, you're right, there is absolute terrible ugliness out there, but there also is incredible power for connection and community. And yes. I think um, in me watching what you've been doing, you are masterful in the way you invite people into conversation that sometimes isn't easy, but is absolutely necessary. Thank you. Um, I think I don't, I don't think there's a right way to do it. Um, what I've learned is just to like show up as you are. And I think that's, what's made it easy for me to some extent is, uh, just being me and showing up as me and not feeling like there's an online version of me and an in-person version of me. Like you get the same jam. Um, if I'm broken, I'm going to say I'm broken or show up broken or take a break because I'm broken. If I'm mad, I'm going to say I'm mad. Um, and so it, it, it's not some complicated uh, formula because I just, I'm me and that's that. And I think my community sees that and it builds that trust. Um, but, you know, the same way I pour into them and I make sure they're good, like my community does the same. And, and for that, I'm, I'm, again, really grateful. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, well, from my perspective, I would say, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that draws people to you mm-hmm. is because of your ability to show up as you are. And as you were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, I think that's one of the things I continue to unwind. Because one of my own patterns is that anytime I show up as the most true version of myself, it's when I get shut down. That's when, like, if I show up to a space as just, you know, like shiny, new, I don't really know anything, then people are like, oh, yeah, welcome. Come on in. The minute I stand in my power and show like, no, I know some things and and I am a multitude of things and I feel a thousand different things like, oh, she's scary and we're going to burn her. Oh, yeah, I'm sure people try to burn me, but you can't. You can't, you know, I show up that way all the damn time. I'm like, you mean to tell me I didn't choose to be this way. It's in my blood. It literally is genetic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I have been blessed with all of these talents. And you mean I'm going to go waste it? I'm going to waste it for what? Because you haven't yet come to terms of your talents and you're threatened? Oh, <laughs> no. No, <laughs> I can't do that. That's like wasting food. Yeah. You know, we get mad when people waste food. Why don't we get mad when people waste their talents? I know. Yeah. I I just felt that land like <laughs> right in my solar plexus. Yeah. <laughs> because we crammed. <laughs> absolutely. And that is what we do in so many ways is we ask people to waste their talents because we we they we don't want them to be seen as more than us because we don't want them to be whatever it is, whatever the backstory is we're telling ourselves when we're asking other people to be smaller than they actually are. And that's one of the things I love about the work that you're doing right now around empowering youth voices. Yes. Yeah. Which is funny because sometimes I think I feel like a hypocrite. Like if I'm out at a social event and there's a kid asking 15 questions, I'm like, well, not now. (laughs) I'm trying to have fun. (laughs) Quiet. (laughs) But other than that, yeah, I am pro kid voice. <laughs> that's yeah. the well, that's the dualistic nature of life, right? Yeah. It's vertical <laughs> yesterday and this kid was near me and they asked, I don't know, it was like 120 questions. I was like, you you, you really need to stop. Like I got vertigo. But I do think that there is value in that as well, because you also were showing them um boundaries, right? It's okay to it's okay to ask people and show people what you really need. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And again, like as much as I empower student voice and I talk about the power of helping kids find their voice, um, I'm still learning um, how to help children find their voice because I have to unlearn what I was conditioned to believe about kids using their voice. And so the analogy that I love to use is like, if you were on the playground um, at school, let's use a school example here. And you saw a child running really, really fast. You'd be like, whoa, you should join our school track team. Like, wow, you are super fast. Or if you saw a kid who was really dramatic and really expressive, like, wow, you should join the trauma club. But for some reason, when we see kids or hear kids who talk a lot, we don't say, wow, you could become a future podcaster. You could become a future motivational speaker. Um, We tell them to be quiet. We tell them not now because they have to talk on our terms. And when we think it's okay for them to talk, I I don't know who made this a thing, but like, it's not cool. You are absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. And that part where you just said, we, we tell them that when they can talk on our terms. Yeah is so powerful. And that's, it is a pattern that we set up and an expectation that we set up in young humans that we see continue to play out, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure you see it in the people that you work with and slay the mic that they are working through unwinding that. And their inner child for a lot of the people I work, I coach, they are healing their inner child. Mm-hmm. Like I would say 50% of the people, there's something that happened when they were younger or something they were conditioned to believe. And then the other 50 are working through what the people in their lives have made them feel about their voice, usually parents or their partner. And that's another, you know, just heartbreaking. I think that's the only word I could use. Um, mm-hmm. That the people will be your biggest cheerleaders. You know, the way they make people feel about sharing their stories or speaking their truth. But again, I, I'm as much as I'm a, a, an educator for life and a coach, I am still unlearning while I am teaching and I'm learning. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And I see similar patterns in the women that I work with, but I'm working with women who are for the most part, perimenopause, menopausal, and are in a phase where their kids have left home and it's an empty nest. Mm-hmm. And for the first time ever, for most of the women I work with, they have an opportunity to look at themselves and ask, who am I and what do I want in a space where they are free from anyone, anybody else's expectations. 
Mm-hmm. And they have a lifetime of a self-abandonment yes. and not using their voice because of all of the constructs. Like, so many times I have conversations with women around how to have conversations with their adult children because they didn't ever feel like they could actually be themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they had to be this monolithic, perfect mother. Yeah. And now they're in relationship with adults and they have no idea how to cross that role that they created for themselves. Well, seeing that I'm a mom to three fur children, mm-hmm. fur mom, um, I think that's one of the reasons why I've not uh, began or started my journey of, of motherhood. Because, you know, to that one question you asked, like, who am I? I'm still figuring this out. And I don't want to figure this out while I'm developing this little human. Like, I can't do both. I can't. I'm already You know what I mean? Like, I keep trying to figure out my stuff and then hearing what happened to you at school today, kiddo. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I think about it. I think about it. And, um, you know, Taylor Swift. Uh, oh, I don't even know why I said her name because I am very resentful of Taylor Swift right now for taking my football boyfriend. But that's another <laughs> can't stand her he's my man but whatever um you know she has everyone using the word era now you know i'm in my self-care era Mm -hmm. i'm in my personal development era i'm in my selfish girl era yes i'm gonna take all of my money and take myself to italy and fly business class and eat all the food and buy two purses because i don't got kids (laughs) i don't got kids once a year, Bougie Bowser has to spend $500 at the vet and I'm pissed off every time. But, you know, I could do that because I'm in my selfish girl era. And you know who celebrated me for admitting that? A man in Atlanta. Amazing. Yeah, I was in Atlanta in the summertime. I was a little bit tipsy. It's a little bit. It's a little bit tipsy Rooney. And he was talking to my friend who I was trying to hook them up because they were both hot people. And I'm like, you two should just like, go get married right now. And they were talking about their adult kids. And he's like, do you have kids? And I was like, Mm-mm, no, I don't. And he's like, why don't you have kids? I was like, oh, you're going to ask that, huh? Okay, let's chat about that. Um, I feel like I thought about having kids when I was going to turn 33, but then the panorama ding dong came and robbed me of three years of my hot girl life. And now I'm I'm reclaiming those years back. And I feel like I, I'm still figuring myself out and I don't want to be responsible for another life or or carry resentment because I'm still working on me. I feel like now I have the means and the time to do what I want. And I don't think I have the ability to do both. And he's like, you are so self-aware. It's actually refreshing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, oh, thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, no, I don't know about that stuff right now. I'm no. <laughs> well, this might sound like a, a very different perspective, but I actually wish more people would bring that attitude to motherhood. Oh, God, I could do a whole TED talk on it. Yeah. I've said, and my mom's probably not going to listen to this podcast, so I could say it. Like, if I ever decide, and I'm still young. You know, I still got it if I decide to like bring a little human or I was not going to say to a human mm-hmm. into the world. Um, I need to do therapy first. <laughs> I need to do therapy. <laughs> I got to do some therapy, do some unlearning, cry, all the stuff. But I also would want a nanny, a sleep doula, all these things. I told my husband, get that money. Okay. Because like, if I'm pushing something out, you're pushing money. It's a good house so I could get my sleep, yes. sir. Okay. And if you think I'm going to be some stay, stay at home and meet my friends at the park, you're sadly mistaken. I have a speaking engagement at three. The nanny will do it. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But that is, that's the truth. Like there's this narrative out there that we can do all, we can be all yeah. the things and you I can't cannot. do them all at the same time and raise a human. I barely be a wife. Some days I could barely be a wife. Okay. I Some you. Days you come home and you're expecting food on the stove, sir. You see that? <laughs> order something because 
I can't do it today. I can't do it. And I don't want to do it. It's not that I can't, I don't want to. Yes. Thank you for saying that because so uh, that's the conversation I have with people all the time. I don't want to is enough. I don't want to. It's enough. (laughs) It, you don't have to qualify it in any other way other than I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. But approaching the motherhood from that perspective, but also bringing the selfishness to it, because this is where we fall apart. We, one, think we have to be perfect. We have to do it all by ourselves to be seen as being worthy or valuable. And, and we have to sacrifice everything that we are to just become this person's mother. I'm like, no, you are still the star of your own show and you need to stay that way. Yes. And that is how you show young humans how to show up as their own selves. Well, there's two things, right? And I love that we're having a a convo about motherhood that I'm not a part of, but I feel like I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up with a really strict mom. So I didn't get to do all the adventurous, you know, things that teens get to do or when you're in your early 20s is the time for you to travel and and live on your own and figure all these things out. I didn't get to do that. So when I got married, which that wasn't a part of my damn plan, but it happened. Um, got, got married. I'm all like all wiped up now. And, you know, we got a house responsibilities and things. Uh then I realized like I had a lot of codependency on my husband. I had a lot of codependency traveling with him. I had a lot of codependency going places and doing things with him that I was like, I don't know how to be alone. I don't know how to travel alone. I don't know how to book things on my own. Um, I always thought that all the lavish things I'm going to have in life is because a man got it for me. And when I bought like my first like luxury bag, for example, I was like, I bought that for me. So I feel like I am making up for the time I didn't get to do all these things when I was younger that I get to do now, but also being in education for so long, I have seen children who have a come from nurturing, supportive homes where, you know, parents are equally responsible and equally involved and they could thrive. And I've also seen the children who don't have that balance in their life. And I become that parental figure for that child. And I think a lot of my friends who have had these conversations with me about motherhood, um, they don't see the other side. They see the baby showers. Um, they see, you know, the play dates and they see like the cute Instagrammable moments and all that crap. I see uh, what your kid is doing between 8.30 and 3.30. Yeah. I see what your child is navigating. And I'm, I'm the one who's helping them navigate that. And it's a lot. And I don't want to um, not think about this life being impacted by the fact that I haven't learned how to self-regulate or, you know, figure myself out. I I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So Mm -hmm. I have no problem screaming from the mountaintops. This is where I'm at because I think other people need to hear it. Yes. Um, my sister-in-law actually, oh, bless my sister-in-law's heart. Um, she asked like every year, like when you guys having kids, when you guys having kids mm-hmm. and every year I was like, well, you know, am I, you know, am I ready yet? And then finally one year she's like, so, sorry for the blunt question. When are you guys having kids? And I was like, well, you know, I don't feel emotionally ready. And she's like, oh, you're never going to feel emotionally ready. I'm like, well, I want to make sure I'm in the right career. Cause right now I'm in education and it doesn't pay a lot. And you know, I really want to be independent and not like relying on your brother who just has to do, you know, do his job for five minutes. And then he goes back to work and he's thriving, you know, he's getting promotions, he's doing all kinds of things. And I'm over, you know, over here stuck in a job that I'm not happy with. She's like, oh, you're never going to feel like you're in the right career. I'm like, well, I want to make sure I make more money. She's like, you're never going to make enough money. And I'm like, okay, so I have a question for you. Why should I become a mom? Because this doesn't sound very appealing. This doesn't, like, this sounds really stressful, you know? Yeah. But I'm, I'm proud of myself that whether it was family pressures, like from the in-laws or society's pressures, if it doesn't feel right to me, I, Jamila Jam Gamble, am not doing it. And you could go kick rocks if you got a problem with it. If you're going to, unless you're going to come help raise my kids or buy right? me formula and diapers and be up at three o'clock in the morning, then respectfully go take a whole seat and do not get involved with my ovaries or my uterus. The yes. End. 
Yes, I don't, we could say that we could just spend this whole podcast saying that over and over and over again. You don't get to be involved in my ovaries and uterus. You do not get to decide for me and I get to decide what feels good for me. Full stop, period. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's, Thank that's, you. that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And I, I will continue to use my voice to talk about the things that works for me and works best for me and not what people expect me to say. And and like I said to the people who, you know, have opinions about, you know, my thoughts and my feelings and what's right for my life. Um, and they want me to say what they want to hear, you know, please feel free to visit um, imjamgamble.com, go under book jam gamble, put in an event request that click that link there and put in your request. We'll talk about my rates and then you could tell me what I'm allowed to say because you're paying me to say it. Otherwise, kick rocks. Yes. I love everything about what you just said. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else coming up soon where people can connect with you? Oh, Lord. There's always something going on. I don't know when this is going to air, but um, yeah, I, I have an event that I'm putting on after three years. Um, I'm already prepared to cry a big, ugly cry because, uh, we've been separated for, for three years since the pandemic. Um, and this is an event that I'm really proud of because it is not your traditional, um, I don't want to call it women's event, but it's just not the traditional event where we come for the decor and, you know, wearing our flashy outfits. We're coming for connection. We're coming for growth. We're coming for community. Um, so I'm really excited to be doing things my way and seeing all my people come together. And then there's, uh, the say the mic program in 2024, you know, cohort nine. And what blows my mind is that this is an idea that, um, when, you know, you ask my, what my story is, um, on chapter 26 or chapter 27 of jam gamble story. I, one morning over a cup of coffee with my husband said, you know, maybe I should start something that helps people find their voice. And I'm so glad I said that that morning, because if I didn't, um, I would have never started the Say the Mic program. So to reach cohort nine is a testament to speaking things out into existence, believing that you can create something and that it could have longevity, um, that you could profit off of it, that it could impact lives, that it could build your name. Uh, all of that, all of that, that has happened because I made that declaration that morning that I want to start something. So to be launching cohort nine in the, in the winter and then cohort 10 in the fall and slay the Mike junior and all that good stuff. Um, I, you know, my, my voice has been the, the vessel that has helped all of these things, um, happen. And hopefully other people listening are going to recognize that they have ideas or visions within them. And they're like, I, I'm tired of overthinking this. I'm going to speak this out and I'm going to make it happen and see where it goes. Yeah. Thank you. I will make sure all of the links for your things are in the show notes below so that people mm -hmm. can access it. And I just want to, I sent you a message saying this, but I want to say it out loud. Thank you for lighting the way for me. I don't know. So similarly, um, four or five years ago, maybe my husband and I were having a really hard conversation one day where I was feeling like completely broken. And I said, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And it took, it took those three or four years of continuing have, having that conversation and saying it out loud before I finally said, I can't, I cannot keep doing this. But part of what gave me confidence to do that was you. Oh. And watching what you had been able to do and create that I think is so powerful and necessary in this world. And I am really grateful. So oh, thank gosh. you. I'm, I'm honored that, you know, I could be a source. And I think all of us need to remember, it doesn't matter where we're at. It's not just the blue check people. We give, a, we give too much credit to public figures and people with blue checks and large social media followings. And we're like, oh my God, you know, your content changed my life. And yeah, it does. But there are other people in your life, in your everyday life, that person you ran into at the grocery store, your coworker, mm -hmm. cubicle next to you, your neighbor, who have all done or said things that has been a part of your journey. Um, so take a second just to look around you and see that there's inspiration and motivation everywhere. everywhere. Um, yeah. And if you just, you know, listen and talk more, 
uh, you too could create incredible things. So I'm glad we got to make this conversation happen. Yeah, me too. All right. Thank you. And uh, maybe we'll talk again sometime. We will. Part two coming too. Yeah, we got a lot of things to dig into even more. A lot of stuff. I think there's like four, like a four part series here. We just don't know it yet. I totally agree. (laughs) Thank Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at LBoat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.